uh, Jason, for for those of you, for those of us, um, well, those of our listeners, there we go, that uh, haven't interacted with you, that are missing out so far, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, well, I'm Jason McCullough. Uh, um, so in relation to this podcast, I was a volleyball player uh, my entire life. Um, played in high school in a little town called Carleton Place, just outside of Ottawa. Um, and then uh, ended up playing for the Ottawa Mavericks for, for many years. Um, went on to play at Humber College. Actually played at Seneca College for a year and then played at Humber. Um, and then played kind of adult club stuff after that uh, until I destroyed my shoulder. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, I got into volleyball coaching after that. I had such a great experience with the sport, um, as all of your listeners, and I know you have and continue to, um, that I had to give something of myself back to the sport. So I started coaching with the, the Ottawa Mavericks at college um, and then introduced to them their uh, high performance program, which included strength, conditioning, nutrition, uh, all of the other ancillary things that help athletes get better off the court. And, um, and that program, that strength and conditioning program is huge today. It's been taken over by the guys at Capital Strength Training in Ottawa, uh, who are doing an awesome job with it. Um, and then I moved to Toronto and, and, uh, took up training volleyball teams in the, in the GTA, uh, of course did some stuff with you with, uh, Kingston rock club, uh, previously Pegasus and, uh, um, and yeah, so, uh, lots and lots of history with volleyball, love the sport, miss the sport dearly, um, uh, but stay involved as much as I can. Yeah. And just, uh, one of the side tangents of the many that we'll go into that, that, training facility that capital has that the Mavs have access to is amazing it's beautiful yeah it's everything everything they need and nothing they don't it's just uh nice and basic all the basic equipment you need and uh yeah it's it's it and the team there is is awesome i can't say enough good things yeah every time i check in with what they're doing i'm like yep 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 yep. okay cool move on 100 (laughs) i'm like okay i really need to work on my my uh my uh kingston rock guys because we're gonna be playing them and uh they're training. Yeah, uh, there's a big focus on physicality, Mavericks, ever since uh, we started their high performance program. Uh, geez, probably 20 years ago, 15 years ago, at least. Um, probably 15 years. Uh, so it's, it's, it's well uh, well ingrained in the athletes there. This really explains a lot option. because at that time I was playing, uh, well, sometime around there, I was playing kangaroos back when it was still a club and the mm-hmm. Mavericks would kick our butts and uh, that explains why. So, <laughs> well, hey, it's a combination of things, but that's definitely a big factor. No, 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 that's awesome the only coach. thing. Come on, no, that's the only thing. Um, I was, you know, an elite athlete back in the day. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, this segues really nicely into the the big chunk of this conversation that I want to talk about, which is youth training. And I know that's something that you're passionate about, and it's something we haven't really touched on in this uh, podcast yet. So, we're going to take a, a good chunk of time to talk about it. So here's, let, let's start with the, the, the opposite. What do people get wrong a lot of times when it comes to uh, young athlete training? Um, well, there's a few things, I guess. Uh, probably the, the most obvious that I'm sure you experience lots and most trainers do is that uh, people expect the training to look very much like the sport. So they want to see lots of jumping. They want to see lots of quick movement and agility. They want to see 
you know, something that resembles the speed and pace of the game. They want to see movements that look like volleyball movements uh, and or hockey movements or whatever other sport we're talking about. I'm going to refer to volleyball in this podcast. That's what we're talking about. That's where our passions lie. But um, uh, but that is uh, almost the opposite of the way that we train the athletes, right? Because uh, we know that these movements, we can talk about why, but I won't get into the why because I can go on forever. But but that is a, a misconception. And uh, it's gotten wrong. And sometimes trainers just give in to that and say, look, it's going to be way easier to give people what they think it should be. I don't have to explain or educate anyone. They're going to be like, that looks like volleyball. Good. I'm not going to ask any questions. Um, When it doesn't look anything like volleyball, um, you tend to get a lot of questions from parents and coaches and stuff that are second guessing what you're doing. Um, So it requires a lot of education and a lot of work. Uh, So to do what's right often is much more difficult than to just do what seems obvious to the general public. So um, that's the biggest one. That's been the biggest kind of issue that I've encountered. Um, secondly, is, is just kind of rushing, um, not paying attention to the fundamentals early on um, and treating athletes based on their age, uh, their chronological age versus their training age. So if a 16 or 17 year old comes in and most 16 or 17 year olds that have been training for any given time are back squatting, deadlifting, doing all of those fun, exciting things. Um, if they haven't trained before, <laughs> there's lots of steps they need to take before they get into those movements. At least, I mean, the, those particular movements, um, there's lots of variations and regressions to those movements that are required to uh, become proficient at, at those movements that need to be taken care of first. So, um, so, so treating athletes uh, according to their training age versus their chronological age. And a lot of times a more advanced chronological age will allow you to pass through those kind of uh, gateways a lot quicker just because you've developed that kind of sense of uh, how to move properly and, and you have some fundamental strength there. Um, but you still have to start at, at, at step one um, and, and you'll move as fast as the, your, your, your trainer lets you. Um, those are probably the top two, you know, without getting into to, yep. to, to the weeds with it. Yeah. And just for people that aren't kind of familiar with this, this sphere, this all falls into long-term athletic development. It's that model. Mm-hmm. I think it was Ford's model way back. And um, the cool thing is, and the interesting thing is, and the, the thing that people get stuck on just to really drive this home is it doesn't matter if you're 12, 17, or 40. People get this idea of, uh, you know, I've been playing for a while. I need to have advanced training. Right. And like Jason said, it's, you know, if, if you come in at 16, you haven't trained before, I'm going to treat you very similarly as if, if you were 40 or 50 and hadn't trained before, we need to get proficient at the baselines. We need to master the fundamentals before we get crazy. And just like Jason said, this is really hard to, I don't like the word convince, but show people that this is the right way. Because, you know, yeah, it requires see, education, right? And education yeah. is a process. It's, it's not easy. Anything we have to learn that's new and, and, and that we don't uh, naturally just understand um, takes time. Um, so, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the hardest part about that is, is social media right now because you see professional or high, uh, high tier players or people that just want to look flashy, to be honest. And they'll be doing these crazy, complicated, I don't even know how to describe it. They mix balance with box jumps mixed with power output mixed with cardio. And it's like, stop. 
please stop. You're not doing anything well. You're trying yeah. to do everything at the same time. Yeah. You've got 1% of the adaptations from each of those things that you think you're doing. <laughs> That's right. And that's right. And, you, and you know, the other, the other misconception is that, you know, trainers are lazy because they're just taking you through these super basic things that are boring. There's nothing we want more than to get into the more exciting, more progressive type. We want training. to have fun. <laughs> we really want to do that too. But uh, the good trainers are going to take you there uh, appropriately and safely and uh, over time. Yeah. If you have a trainer that is making you take more rest time than you want with exercises that are more meticulous than you want, probably in good shape. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> there's, exactly. there's your baseline recommendation. Right. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to the pitfalls is specialization. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this a fair amount way back when we were trading. Um, mm. The general framework is, or let's just kind of walk through a typical example. Somebody walks in and they have a, let's say 15 U uh, athlete. So, you know, 14 type of thing, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, my son or daughter plays three or four times a week. Uh, what do they need to do to get more swings and more jumps in? Because, you know, they're going pro and right. we need to make sure that happens. What, what's wrong with that model? Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll digress a little bit just in terms of sport, because this all started at least in my opinion, especially in Canada with, with the hockey attitude, right? Um, mm -hmm. Kids are on the ice nonstop. Um, then they're doing, you know, special, you know, one-on-one -on -one skating stuff and, and, and speed skating stuff. And, uh, you know, they're just constant and it's all summer long. And, and then it's three on three. And then it's um, because, you know, hockey, there's this kind of obvious path to professionalism. Um, you know, the, the pathway is very clear, whereas in volleyball, it's not as clear to most people how you're going to make money to play volleyball, but in hockey it is, even though it's very, very um low chance that, that yeah. any uh, unlikely that, that you're going to make each other. We don't want to, you know, uh, step on anybody's dreams here, but, um, but let's be, let's be practical about it. So um, yeah, of course, uh, a kid at that age doing that much volume on the court already um, does not require additional volleyball volume. Most likely um, they need, they need to take care of their body so that it can withstand the, the impact of the sport, right? I mean, volleyball, you know, however non-contact it is, we are exerting forces and creating contact with the world that is that is pretty aggressive, right? And and in terms of especially the spine, you know, being kind of one of the most uh, potentially fragile parts of the body that can be very very resilient if treated properly, um, we go through extension, we go through flexion, we go through rotation, and we go through compression. So we're doing everything possible to disrupt, you know, the health of the spine if it's not taken care of in the game of volleyball and aggressively and 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 hard, right, um, and dynamically. So uh, to add more of that without getting into a, a weight room situation or a training situation where you can provide some integrity to the those systems, um, you're looking for trouble. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's your spine or whether it's your shoulder, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it may be the spine specifically, but also surrounding the spine or back spasms, you know, it's, it's, you know, you've seen it too. It, anything can happen there. So, um, and another thing, you know, just on that topic, it's a bit of a tangent, but, you know, we see players that can jump, you know, most players can jump at least 24 inches, let's say upwards of 
45 inches, some of these, these, these phenomenal volleyball players, and they're landing with, you know, two to three times their body weight on, on, on their feet, right? Uh, and sometimes only on one foot. So a lot of times, the, yeah. right? And so the parents that, that approach and say, geez, that could be weightlifting. I don't know if, you know, I don't want you putting 100 pounds on their back or something like that, right? It's like, oh, oh my God, you have really no idea. no idea the forces that are being, you know, when the kid jumps off the, the jungle gym at the school, they're putting more force on their body than they, yeah. and, and, and in a very uncontrolled fashion versus what we're doing when we're loading 50 or 100 pounds on their back. Um, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's another education curve that, that needs to be uh, addressed, but uh, Anyhow, uh, so yes, less volume a lot of times, many, many times than what athletes uh, think they need um, and, and more time in the weight room. And, and, and that, I mean, that goes for almost anything, right? Like, yeah. like a lot of people think, I think I made a post on Instagram the other day about some kid doing like 20 sets for triceps in the gym. Like you don't need, you also don't need to be in the gym six days a week lifting weights. I mean, um, there's the right amount of doing the right things under the right supervision and you will make phenomenal progress. Um, don't waste time that you don't have to waste. Yeah. And this is something that just uh, to tangent off your tangent tangent. Um, <laughs> this is something that I struggle with in my messaging sometimes, because some people really need to hear that you should be weight training, whatever that looks like for you two to three times a week, because the majority of people, you know, upwards of 80, 90% of the population doesn't do any kind of weight training. So you get that message and that needs to be to me, number one. And then there's the other side where there's the overachievers without the educational piece that are doing, you know, seven day doubles, uh, doing the 20 sets, tricep pushdowns. So it's, it's a very interesting line to walk to say like, Hey, you need it, but be smart because you got to almost talk to both of these. Uh, it's it's demographics. exactly. It's the mixed message of social media as well. Right. Uh, that you pointed out earlier, which is if you are a weightlifter, like right now, that's all I do. That's my kind of sport. So four days a week in the gym is what I do. Um, and I'm, but that's all I do. That's my only, that's my only impact on my body physically besides, you know, walking, and, you know, um, you know, general health Living. stuff, but, but uh, yeah, but um, so they, they'll look at, or people will look at social media and say, Hey, I need this kind of like uh, upper lower split, or I need to hit back and buys on this day. And what, like, I need to train like a weightlifter when I'm, when I'm a volleyball player. No, you're, you're actually training to get better at volleyball. You're using your weight room time to specifically address the things that are going to help you be a better volleyball player, not to be a bodybuilder um, or a powerlifter or whatever other weightlifting sport you want to participate in. Um, so we have to keep that in mind because people will say, geez, two days in the gym isn't optimal. No, it's not optimal for if, you're a weight, if you want to build an epic body kind of yeah. thing, if that's what your goal is. But if you're trying to be a volleyball player and you're in season and you're on the court and you're, it's Way well, got so much right? to give. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's very thin line there, and it's mm-hmm. like th- that's our whole like part of my big mission is getting more people training. Yes, right? yeah. I don't want them to think they need to train five days a week because you don't. No. And then I think this all or nothing mentality is is massive, especially with the social media um, life that we live in right now. It's okay. I'm gonna you know, the classic thing, it's January 1st, Monday morning, I'm going to start, I'm going to go to the gym every day for an hour, I'm going to go lift weights, I'm going to be perfect, I'm going to eat perfectly. Right. And it's, that, that, that's not how this, that's not how this works. Um, mm-hmm. We we know 
from behavior change studies that small changes are how we make actual progress, right? So if you're starting at zero, one or two days in the gym a week is massive change. And it doesn't have to be five. Does it, no. it just find something you can do sustainably. This is a big tangent. Okay, we're bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were just talking about how you fit uh, strength conditioning into a volleyball um, season or even fact off season, which doesn't seem to exist for volleyball players. Maybe that's yeah, something no. we should talk about as well. Um, it's on the which list. is, you know, hey, if we can only get, you know, one or two sessions in a week in season, which may be appropriate given the amount of volume that uh, the player has to, uh, uh, has to be involved with. Um, there has to be a time where the training does actually intensify um, and, and, and we add more volume. So um, if the athlete doesn't, you know, doesn't give you that opportunity or stays in season year round with, with beach volleyball, it becomes, becomes quite difficult to program off season for them. Yeah, let's just paint that picture super clear. So this is what I see, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. Sure. Um, in a typical kind of periodization strategy, um, use the fancy words, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to sport development, during the season, we try to maintain as much as we can. We try to build qualities that will help in season. So we're talking power, explosive strength, uh, maintaining strength as much as we can. In the mm-hmm. off season, what we try to do is we try to build because our bodies have more resources, more recovery resources. We have uh, a bigger, less full cup to, uh, to fill, to pour from. And uh, that's our time. The problem with volleyball is beach. I love beach. Don't get me wrong, but we go from our season uh, on the court, which typically is something akin to September, October to April, May. And then May comes around and beach season starts and that goes till August and then maybe September. And then all of a sudden we're back into the court. So our body. Yeah. I mean, really- they're, they're, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, speaking of periodization, I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, very specific periodization. A lot of times. Um, get a hallelujah. Uh, however, you know, when you think in that kind of, you know, uh, conceptually about it in season, like if, if everything was perfect, we should be able to even make strength gains in season. There's, there shouldn't be a time where you're not progressing, right. Uh, to some degree. So, so in a perfect world in season, we're lifting low reps, quite heavy. Um, we're actually probably putting on strength without adding extra muscle tissue, et cetera. Um, you, know, you may develop some muscle tissue. That's going to be a nice side effect that has happened, but that's not the, um, what you're trying to do and um but because we never have a proper block of time where the athletes we have to try to do all of the things that we would have done maybe in the off season starting in september um so we have to jam in maybe some hypertrophy uh, training um maybe some strength training and then transition into kind of your more explosive fast moving weights and then we have to transition back into a maintenance piece all in you know 12 weeks or so or you know, 16 weeks. So it's, it's really impossible to program from a proper, you know, if you wanted to use proper periodization or, or, or proper is the wrong word, but traditional periodization, um, you can't, uh, you just, you just can't do it anyway. So, um, so yeah, you're right. Beach gets in the way. It, I, I, I love it and, you know, too. And I think it's a great tool to help indoor athletes, um, you know, get more touches in, in the summer. I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I think competing competitively in both is, is where the problem really Mm -hmm. starts to, starts to happen. Um, 
again, depending on what age, right? Because if you're 12, you and you're playing indoor and you're playing, you know, two tournaments a year and you're, yeah. you know, you're practicing twice a week and you probably, everybody plays equal amounts of playing time on the court. So you're not actually getting a ton of volume. You're not even able to really exhibit that much force, let's be honest. So you're not, you know, you're not really, um, it's not that, that worn down, uh, you know, playing, to, being involved in some level of volleyball 12 months a year isn't going isn't to be a problem. And you could probably layer in some basic strength training. Uh, on top of that, and you're going to be okay. Um, and, you know, keeping in mind, there's also a uh, hormone spike happening right around there where um, the athletes are incredibly adaptable to to the type of training and recover very, very well. Testosterone levels for males are like through the roof. Um, so it's a, it's a nice, uh, nice window of time to, to, to you know, to, to push a little extra volume, to be honest. Um, so, but, but yeah, uh, it's, uh, as an athlete progresses through, you know, the teens, you know, at least in my opinion, you know, athletes and parents and coaches can choose to do what they're going to do, but they, they're going to, they should pick a, uh, a season, uh, whether they want to be a beach player or they want to be an indoor player. Um, and then as they progress through their late teens, they need to decide, you know, what actual sport they want to play. Because, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about multi-sport and, and specialization as well. Uh, so specialization within volleyball, whether you're going to be indoor or outdoor, but also specialization within sports. Are you playing hockey and volleyball at the same time? Are you playing, you know, uh, competitive soccer in the summer and volleyball in the fall? Um, there comes a time, especially if you want to take it to, you know, a professionalized level potentially or a semi-pro level or whatever, where it makes sense to, to pick one or the other. But I don't think that has to happen before the age of 16 for volleyball players. Um uh, maybe if you're a figure skater or a gymnast, there's some research around that for obvious reasons where, where you need to kind of specialize a bit earlier because that's, you, you know, you lose the ability to really be good at those sports in your 20s. Uh, at least <laughs> for most people, there are some yeah. outliers that are quite phenomenal and uh, definitely break the rules there. Um, Simone Biles. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, you got to... Decide what you want. I think this is just the planning thing, right? That goes with life, that goes with training, goes with whatever. Like what, you don't have to get that serious about it, but what is it that I'm trying to do? What is my end goal? And let's make sure that the steps I'm taking, taking make sense to get me there, right? So is this going to get me closer to here? If it's not, I might have to remove it. If it is, should I do more or less of it? Um, and start to make those choices because a lot of times people are just trying to do everything possible. Um, not really understanding that, Hey, that, that particular thing, I have limited time and resources and that particular thing is actually really helpful. So I'm going to remove that and add something else and do more of, so that that comes to the, Hey, go out and do a hitting clinic with a, with a specialized coach or, you know, spend another hour a week in the weight room, which is going to get you closer to your goal. That might be a different answer for for each athlete. It may actually be that, hey, this kid's like super, super strong, but just really is not a great technical hitter. So we need to work on that. So that's, but let's make those, just not just assume that more time on the volleyball court is the right answer. And let's not assume that more time in the gym is always the right answer, right? So, um, yeah, take a look at it and, and have some professionals help and, and, and don't just have your coach, your volleyball coach make the decision and don't just have your, your strength coach make the decision It'd be nice if the teams come together and talk to each other and say, Hey, collaboration. You know, what, are we, what are we dealing with here? Yeah. 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 And just to drive that home 
like the other side of this is talking about when to remove stuff, like just acknowledging that if you're in school and you're playing three sports and you're playing another thing and you're also doing any of this extracurricular activity, maybe you need to cut some things so you can sleep because that's just, oh it, it's crazy how much sleep some young athletes don't get. And you don't really even realize it until you ask them. Yeah. I mean, if anybody who listening or watching this, however, this is going to be presented that knows me, is probably sick of me talking about sleep because I do it ad nauseum. It's just something that I will never stop talking about. Um, you know, I wear an aura ring, I wear an Apple watch, I have an eight sleep bed that records my sleep. I am like probably a little too crazy about my sleep. Um, <laughs> it's actually wild. Um, but I mean, research has shown, and, and you know this too, that, uh, you can reduce your chances of injury by up to 70% by getting at least eight hours of sleep every night. So if I'm a volleyball coach and I'm having my one-on-one interviews with my athletes at the start of the year, that's probably going to be one of the number one questions. If I can reduce or if, or, or if the chance of injury, let's just even take it the other way. If the chance of injury goes up by 70% by getting less than eight hours of sleep a night for a teenage athlete, um, I'm asking that question and I'm making that an absolute priority uh, for my team to figure out how all of us can can make that happen. Um, and it's not going to be a negotiable. So uh, if we could say, like with empirical science that, hey, getting one more workout a week will reduce your chances of injury by 70%. We can't, unfortunately. We know it does make a big difference and it will reduce your chances. There's no question. Um, but we can't get that, that specific about it. I'm not sure that that number, I don't know where that number comes from, but I, I didn't read all the research behind it, but it seems to be well supported. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's fairly immediate. Like the results of sleep come almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you take your sleep from six hours to eight hours, the effect is immediate on your performance, on your alertness, on your, your reaction time and all of that stuff. Whereas, you know, poor little us in the gym, you know, you're going to do three or four sessions and probably still not notice anything. Like, yeah, be yeah. So it's going to take some time. So I'm a little bit jealous of this sleep thing because they can, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite good. Um, and, and you notice it, right? I didn't, I didn't get as much sleep as I wanted to last night. I woke up early. I didn't, um, in the middle of the night and I couldn't get back to sleep. Um, and that'll mess me up for the day. Like not, not to a degree where I can't function or, you know, I was going to cancel this or anything, but it's, it's, uh, I'm so used to being so, um, dialed in in my sleep. Whenever there's a something that throws it off a bit, I can I'm really in tune with it. Um, and I'd love to see more athletes be uh, spend time on that, just just recognizing and paying attention. Maybe not being quite as as uh, as anal as I am about it, but uh, but at least be aware, right? And 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 understand that uh, the impact that can make. So maybe we could just take a minute here and talk about that um, from what you've seen from your side, because I've seen a couple things that. I won't say that they're the factors because, you know, athletes have a skewed perception of perception of reality sometimes, but Mm -hmm. to me, the biggest thing is our biggest things uh, are time management, amount of extracurriculars and amount of school would be like my big three things. Cause I've got some athletes that are are taking away from sleep. You mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, And then social media, social media and uh, electronics or whatever, whether it be gaming or social media or, um, is a big one. And, you know, whenever I talk to athletes about this, I try to um, come from a perspective of understanding because 
I'm on it too. I, I know how addictive it can be. I know the rabbit hole you can go down when you're scrolling across TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is. Uh, I know what it feels like to post something and, 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 and not get any engagement with it and get kind of freaked out about it and worry about it and get, you know, stressed about it. We're all, we're all there together. We're all kind of, uh, you know, uh, tied to these devices in, in different ways. Um, but that's a big one. If you look at, you know, I get the time reports every week from my phone saying, hey, you spent X amount of time on the-. And it's, it's quite uh, alarming sometimes, quite honestly, how much yeah, time I spend on there um, and what else I could do with that time. So uh, as you know, or, or may not know, um, I, I removed Facebook from my kind of suite of social media things mm-hmm. uh, weeks ago. I just found there's a lot of overlap. I was wasting time on there. Um, there, there was nothing I could, there was, you know, without it, there was nothing really missing. It was just a a time suck. Um, so it's gone and I'm going to probably do that more. Um, and that's just, that's my way of freeing up some time. doesn't, you know, because I just found that I was, you know, the, the, the temptation was there to just go and get stuck on there. So, um, so now I don't have it. Um, and, uh, but that's not the answer for everyone if, if they have more control over their, uh, their, their, their habits there. But, but yes, uh, you know, there's certain things that are non-negotiable. Like the time you're going to be in school is the time you're going to be in school. So, so, you know, my recommendation is, you know, put down a schedule for the week, put down then all the non-negotiable stuff that just, you cannot change. Even if you wanted to, what time do you go to school? What time do you get home from school? Do you have chores and stuff to do? Do you have work? Um, and then look at how much free time there actually is. Um, and prioritize it to the things that bring you the most happiness um, and that help you get towards the goals that you're trying to achieve. And if you say, doesn't make me happy, doesn't make me better, probably want to start taking it off the list. Um, that's kind of my easy, yeah, I say easy because it's not easy. Simple, uh, yeah. Simple, simple easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The One of the lines that stuck with me from one of our, the business mentors that we've been working with is, the engineers that are, well, the engineers and the psychologists and all that stuff that are spending millions and billions of dollars to get you addicted to this thing are way smarter than us. So if you're trying to fight the temptation out of pure willpower, good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Right. So having specific yep. strategies like removing the apps, for me, what I do, or I should say, what I've started to do is there's a way on the iPhone, I'm sure there's a way on the Androids too, where you can set time restrictions. So I can't look at my phone uh, in terms of using like Instagram and that kind of stuff for an hour after I get up and two hours before bed. And that's been, Oh, great. I didn't know that existed. That's actually, I like that. That's been a game changer for my sleep because I'm a sleepwalker and being on my Mm -hmm. phone close to bed is not good for it. Um, Right. And you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll be on it less. And then you're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. I should go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, I should go to bed. But uh, if I look at my phone and it says I'm on shutdown, then I'm on shutdown. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I, I have an, uh, an iPhone as well, so I'll check that out because I'd like to share that. Uh, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay, sweet. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing what you can do or what, how much time that we have. You, you mentioned um, that, that function that tells you how much time you've been on your phone. And I think that more people need to pay attention to that because it's really easy to spend just between all the minutes and uh, check-ins it's easy to spend a couple hours on your phone a day like very easy and if you think about how much an hour or two working on the thing that you're trying to progress in could change your life every day it's like well that's where your time is 
you have time. It's just being sucked up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You got to dig deep and find it. And you have to have the will to, to want, to, right? I mean, this is uh, a challenge that we've all had with, with young athletes is um, you can, I hate to use an overused term, but you can lead a horse to water, but, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can give people all the resources they want. You can provide, you can open up your phone lines. We've both done that. Call me, set up a call with me anytime. I will give you free advice to anybody in my network that wants or anybody outside my network. If you send me somebody, I'd say, for sure, I'll talk Dude. to them anytime. Um, and very few people take you up on it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I don't think it's that they don't think you know what you're talking about. It's just they just don't get around to it and maybe feel nervous about it or whatever it is. But um, I think it's... Uh, you know, the, you have to understand where your motivation comes from. You have to really, really lay out what you want. And a lot of times on these, you know, mixed kind of volleyball teams, there is a mix of people, right? Where some oh, yeah. people are really driven to go and succeed at a higher level with the sport. And some just want to hang out with their buds. And that's, both are awesome, right? I mean, yeah. um, sport brings, it is so nice that way that uh, it brings lots and lots of value outside of just, professionalization of, of, of the sport itself and making money and whatever. Um, so that's okay too. And we, you know, both of us know that well, because we're, we, we never play professionally and we still enjoy being active and being involved with the sport. And, and so, you know, that, that means though, and this is, this is a message I see from you often, which I think is very valuable that we still need to take care of our bodies. We don't need to necessarily train like a professional athlete and say, geez, I got to do everything I can to get that, 45 inch vertical and, uh, because I'm only six feet tall. And there's no way I'll ever play and <laughs> professionally. Uh, yeah, I know, uh, you know, that doesn't have to be what you want to achieve. And this is where I say, you know, set out your goal. I just want to be able to play forever or until I decide to stop playing. What do I need to do to do that? And that could be one or two days at the gym, you know, going out and maybe playing another sport, playing squash or racquetball or something too, you know, like you know, just, just, you know, being, regularly active outside your sport, getting out and walking, taking care of your recovery, having a good diet, and you're going to be good. You know, it doesn't have to be that crazy, but it does. You do need something. You can't just go play your rec league Monday night and do nothing else the rest of the week and expect to do that until you're 50. It's likely not going to happen (laughs) for most people. I mean, yeah. And I think a lot of this starts with, for the people that do play volleyball uh, at a young age, I think a lot of this messaging needs to start then because I think a lot of coaches and I'm not just crapping on coaches um, because, you know, it's a very unforgiving job, but. And you are one. So you yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I'll crap on myself and no one else. Um, no, but a lot of times what we'll see and we'll hear is, you know, you need to do this so you can get to the next level and you need to train harder so you can get to the next level. You need to show up to practice. You need to be more engaged. You need to yada, yada, yada. And yeah. to me that almost creates, um, it creates a bad setting for long-term athletic development because it's like, okay, well, what if I don't want to go to that college level? That means I don't need to pay attention. That means this training doesn't matter. That means I don't really need to be engaged because I'm just here to have fun. Whereas I would say, Hey, we need to show up to training to take care of your body. So if you want to go to the college level, great, you're ready. If you don't, that's fine too, but we're going to create the habits for life. That'll actually take you to that 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year old player. Cause that's a very yeah. different message or just like going out and tossing the football around with your son or daughter or totally. like, you know, whatever. Right. You know, you know, sharing your 
your love of health and physical activity with with your kids or your your family or your siblings or whatever right that's mm-hmm. uh, it's a powerful thing yeah all right i think yeah. I nailed that killed it <laughs> um one thing i really want to tuck on or touch on there we go talk on touch on um was it, it's kind of this piece of mindset and leadership um and i know that you're you're big with youth athletic development in general and part of the like boys and uh, the big brothers club, big brothers right? and sisters yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how let's just get specific with the scenarios kids come into a training gym maybe it's a group class maybe it's one-on-one doesn't really matter how much do those interactions with the coach and those conversations matter outside of just sets and reps? Uh, great question. Um, and I mean, it, it sounds wishy-washy, but it does. The answer is it depends, but, um, but the way that I like to do things is when I have a new group for the first time, half of the session is actually nothing like there's no training going on we uh because uh, a lot of times these larger groups if it's a team there's already a dynamic it's 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 quite easy to kind of get things going and often you don't build a super close relationship with each athlete because they're interacting with each other and and, and that's great i mean that's totally awesome that that environment is contagious and and i I love having teams into the gym when it's an open program which i've done a lot of where it's just like hey between 6 and 7 p.m. on Tuesday and Thursday, I have open training for kids from 6 to 12 years old or whatever the age is. Um, it's not 6 to 12, but you know what I mean. Um, we sit down. We I introduce myself, uh, tell them a little bit about my history and why they should care and why they should trust me. Um, uh, I tell them what my principles are. I tell them that uh, how we're going to treat each other. Um, and how we're going to respect everybody and how there's people of all different skill levels here and abilities and we're all going to root for each other like we're a team and so that starts to build because that's what i'm trying to build i don't know who these kids are from all the ground um i don't know if they want to be professional athletes or not it doesn't even matter they're there we're, i'm going to have an impact on them uh and it's not only going to be from a physical standpoint it's going to be from how to interact with each other, uh, how to be respectful, how to lead within a group, how to respond to a coach or an authority figure, um, you know, how to be well-behaved, how to be dedicated and show up every time, that kind of stuff. So those are, I mean, those among many other things are the more powerful lessons from sport and organized kind of training and stuff that, that I think come out, um, of these, these, these young kid interactions, you know, when they're still developing their own personalities and um, learning how to interact with each other and, and, and adults. So uh, many of them get a lot out of it. Um, in my history of, uh, uh, in my history of training athletes over, I want to say 25 years, but um, which is crazy. Um, I have, and you know, these stories, but some may not, I have, God children from uh, athletes I used to coach. <laughs> so I've developed, they've been in wedding parties. Um, you know, I have lifelong relationships with some of the athletes that, that, I, that I used to coach who are, you know, adults in careers now with kids and families. And, um, and it's incredible. So, and, and it doesn't happen every time, but I treat every athlete as if that might happen, you know? So I, I you know, it's not like I, I want to give every athlete the opportunity to engage with me at, at, at whatever level they 
they want to. Sure. Um, and so um, sometimes those those really awesome relationships develop. Sometimes it's just a, a more of a transactional kind of thing, and that's good. And that's how the athlete's comfortable, and that's what they enjoy, and and, and that's great. So so it does depend, but you know the environment you set is going to dictate if that can ever happen, right? Um, and, and it's it's certainly not the ingoing thing is hey hopefully I get a new godson out of this uh, out of this <laughs> but it's add them to it's, the bat family we got <laughs> but it's uh, it's just you know it's uh, it's it's the vulnerability you you show as a coach too you know you're not going with this whole authoritarian I'm not yelling at people I'm not uh, I'm not a know it all I you know I don't ever pretend to know everything uh, I've learned stuff from kids a third of my age uh, or younger. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, it, it's a mentoring thing as much as it is a, a training thing, you know, sharing knowledge, uh, of life and how to, how to be a good person, um, as much as it is about, uh, about the physical training piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. He went exactly the place I hoped you would. It was perfect. You even followed the outline. Look at that. Beautiful. Um, yeah, no, it's good. I'll leave it at that. I, we have taken many tangents. Um, I want to make sure that we cover two things before we go. One is athlete foundation. What is it? Why did it start? Really great question. Uh, and it's, uh, it's still evolving. I, I have mm. to say, um, so I had a previous company, no need to really even talk about it. Um, but, uh, it was a training company that was a for-profit company, a, a group of trainers that trained predominantly volleyball players. If you know me, you know what it was. I, I'm not here to plug it. It doesn't exist anymore, at least from my perspective. Um, but um, I, as I got older or as I've become older, um, tra- like the reason why I'm doing this uh, changed. So um, I didn't want to be a trainer for money. Um, recognizing and appreciating that many people do and i support that and i'm happy and i I do actually mentor and talk to and support you know um as many trainers that that would like some advice or information or whatever on how to make a profitable training business and i'm happy to do that with anybody listening um again not for money but just because i like to um so i decided to, to get another real job. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later, which is uh, working with, working with CrossNet, um, and do training, uh, as a hobby and as a passion and and continue to stay plugged into the training world because I love it. Uh, but not feel so tied to bringing in clients all the time. And, um, I found myself taking on clients that, you know, this might sound bad. I didn't even really enjoy working with because I needed the money. Um, and so, it wasn't good for them. It wasn't good for me because I wasn't really enjoying it. And uh, therefore they probably weren't getting the best experience that they deserved um, for what they were paying me. So, um, so I, I, I noticed that. So decided to say, Hey, I want to stay involved. Um, I also recognize that there's a slightly uneven playing field and this is just the reality that the world has created. It's nobody's fault, but training costs money. Um, mm-hmm. And uh you know, people who do it are highly educated and have spent lots of money to, to learn the stuff that they teach and so therefore deserve to make good money doing it. Um, but not everyone can afford it. Uh, so um, I wanted to be able to offer some at least fundamental or basic training, nutrition, 
um, you know, sleep, all of the, all of the kind of ancillary stuff we've talked about education to everyone to, to be able to say, look, if you just want to know the very basics on how to, if, if you're just going to go and do a little workout in your bedroom or something or in the basement, here's just some principles to follow. Here's some guidelines so that you're not going to, you're actually going to progress. You're not going to overdo it. You're not going to underdo it. You're not going to hurt yourself. And, um, uh, so follow along. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to offer that to anybody who wanted so it's still it's still underway. Um, cross the CrossNet job, which again we should talk about, is, has become uh, busier than I thought. So the the project is is way behind schedule. Uh, I brought on uh, my friend uh, Marty Toye in Ottawa, who's a doctor of exercise physiology. He does all the um, uh, all of the testing. He's done all of the testing and stuff for the RCMP and, and the military as well. He he designs all of that the testing protocols and stuff there. Super, super smart guy. Um, he worked with me with the Mavericks way, way back, actually, uh, in the day. And uh, he's um, he's come on board to kind of uh, really lead the, that that project going forward. He's actually going to start doing his MBA. Um, and he wants to take this on as his uh, project. Oh. So it'll start to accelerate a bit uh, with him on board, which is good because I just don't have the time to do it. But essentially... It was a foundation. So the foundation has multiple meetings. This foundation just means, you know, foundational knowledge of stuff, like nothing to, if you want to go deeper, you go see Jordan and he'll, he'll dial it in for you. But here's just some real foundational knowledge to see, Hey, is this something you want to dig deeper on? Or is this enough for you? If you want more, lots of qualified, great people out there, including you that, that, that can help people. Um, but to give them a taste of all of the different elements of what, what it might be. Um, the other the other meaning of the foundation is that it um, I'm raising money for athletes who can't afford to play. So ultimately, we have not raised a lot so far in full transparency, but I've been able to provide a squat rack to one of our uh, aspiring Paralympians, um, a bench press station to another volleyball athlete, and I've been able to donate a bunch of equipment that it was really just my equipment that I replaced and decided I was thinking of putting it on. Kijiji or Facebook marketplace. And I'm like, what? like for a few hundred dollars, like, you know, I'd, I'd rather see someone uh, really benefit uh, from it. So that started that. And so I'm working on finding other uh, equipment manufacturers that might want to provide discounts and things like that. So I'm, I'm just trying to give access to stuff that people may not have access to. Um, just making that a little bit easier with some of the resources that I have and connections that I have. So, um, it hasn't fully come to shape yet. And, and the other the other thing I'm doing is selling product, uh, including the shirt you have on, to uh, to raise money because I, I don't like acting asking for for handouts. Say hey, you know what? I'll give you something. You give me something. You you give me you give the foundation something, and we'll put that money to really good use. Um, and uh, and know that we're not trying to. I'm not trying to make this a job. I'm trying to make this a passion project for me. So it's not a, it's not about trying to make money uh, for me. It's about trying to pass money on to the people who need it. Now, all that being said, just a caveat, my t-shirt manufacturer uh, in Canada recently now doesn't, has shut down. Oh no. Um, yeah. So I need to find a new one. So on the Athlete Foundation uh, website, which you'll find through a link on my Instagram, if you want to go check it out, um, there'll probably be no t-shirts available right now because I need to find a new provider, which really sucks. So uh, <laughs> that's a thing on my, uh, on my back burner. But essentially we're gonna build out the website. It'll be a great resource to just go to and go straight to the initial boom, articles, you know, sample programs, all that kind of fun stuff. 
Uh, again, just very basic. I'm not trying to take money out of trainers' pockets that are that are doing this every day. Um, but it'll it'll I think it'll hopefully get people more interested in the training in training that may not have been in the first place by just getting a little taste for it and get started on it and uh, and then uh, hopefully meet up with someone like you and take it a little deeper. Uh, and we'll be referring out so on the website as well will be people we recommend in various markets across Canada. And these will be only people that we've actually interacted with. So it's not going to be someone who just pays us to put a tile up on the site. It's going to be people that we've vetted, we've worked with, we have experience with, that have been in the industry for, you know, at least five years, um, you know, that have track records and stuff, not so, so that, you know, we're not just searching over social media or Googling a volleyball workout program and taking the, whatever comes off the internet. Um, So, yeah. So that's kind of, What's happening with? Thanks for asking about it. It's uh, it's it's way behind in terms of where I'd like it to be right now, but uh, the uh, there's some there's some momentum starting back up here shortly. <laughs> yeah, let yeah. me know what I can do because that's something Thank I want to get involved in for sure. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Other than you know being a perfect model for the shirts, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, we had to do your color, right? We had to go. Oh, I did colors. Love the love the room. Um, yeah. what the heck is CrossNet? Come on. Is it special? Yeah. Who knows? It, it is not. That's oh. dirty work for us. I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh, no, I, listen, I, uh, it is for some people in the company. I love Spike Ball. It's a great game. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but I don't sell it. I sell CrossNet and, and actually prefer the game because it's much more volleyball like. Yeah. Um, so CrossNet is basically Foursquare meets volleyball. So Foursquare is a big playground game in the US. It was big. Everybody, every kid in the US knows what it is. It wasn't that big in Canada, uh, mainly because you know, in winter in Canada is when we're in school most of the time and we can't draw stuff on the ground and play. And so, um, but essentially it's a volleyball net that crosses over so that there's one, so that uh, it intersects in, into like a, into four squares. You have one person in each square, the person in square four, whichever square you designate square four, uh, is the one who can score points. So everyone's trying to get to, to the fourth square. Uh, every time there's a rally that ends and the, the guy in, in four isn't the one who caused the end of the rally, so he doesn't even have to score the point. If, he, if he's just survives the rally, he or she gets the point. So, so the other three players essentially should be teaming up on the fourth square to try to get him out. So you can get some crazy plays. Four serves to two, and then two can set to one, and then one can like hammer it on four. And it just becomes super, super fun. Um, and like I, I went to an AVP tournament in Clearwater, Florida, and we set it up and uh, like the players were lined up like because you can line up outside of square one and just kind of rotate in. Yeah. We had a line of like 15 people <laughs> and these are all AVP players. And they're like, oh, man, who knew that this would be the, the best part of this entire tournament? Like everybody was so, so in love with it. Uh, and so we just launched also a. Um, uh, uh, doubles net. So now you can put two players in each square, oh, which, cool. which allows you to be more like you could actually pass to your partner in the square yeah. and actually run a full play. Uh, and then you could hit to any of the three squares. Like it's the plays are insane. When you like, it, when you get good volleyball players playing, it is like, <laughs> it get awesome. So uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I'm, um, I'm in charge of sales globally. So it's given me some cool exposure to, um, you know, some, some professional volleyball players all over the world and um, just some, you know, some neat retailers and distributors and 
uh, it's uh, it's been a fun, fun, fun ride. So it's going to be, uh, we're in, in Canada, we're in Toys R Us, Sport Shack, uh, Sporting Life, and Canadian Tire Online so far. We're going to be in Canadian Tire Stores next year. Um, and then Source for Sports, like some other little uh, independent uh, retailers, will be in Costco Online this summer as well in Canada. So lots of lots of progress here in Canada. Um, and in the U.S., if anybody's listening down there, we're in Dick's Sporting Goods Academy. Um, we'll be in Sam's Club. Uh, yeah, lots. Uh, any any big sporting goods retailer you go into, if you don't see it, tell them to buy it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's super fun. It's a great you know it, it's a great transition because I did work in in sales professionally for 15 years with Mars the food company and um, you know great company to work for. I learned a ton. Um, I was working in pet food, which, 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 you know, I love pets, but it's not my passion, I guess, if you will. Not so, <laughs> so it's nice to be able to take the two passions. I love selling and being in sales, uh, and then, uh, apply it to a sport and be able to sell the a volleyball based game. Um, yeah, it's just a perfect, perfect fit for me. So it's exciting. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, I was watching Sam Pedlow play a bunch last summer. And it, that yeah. makes the rules now make a lot more sense. Because I'm like, why is everyone teaming up on Sam? Because mm-hmm. he was in four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it, it's fun. It's really fun. We'll have to play this summer. Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. you know, we're locked. We're, we're, we're done with lockdowns. No more. That's right. I'll get, I'll, I'll get one down to you, man. Yeah. I got yeah, one right over my left shoulder here. I'll, uh, oh, I'll make dibs. sure when I'm driving through Kingston next time, I'll uh, drop off. Right. So yeah, we, I need to see the gym, too. Yes. Yeah, we need to go get a session. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I've had you for holy almost an hour. Whoopsies. Awesome. Um, where can uh, people get a hold of you? We'll, we'll put the link for Athlete Foundation and in your Instagram. Yeah, Athlete website. Foundation on Instagram. Uh, not any longer on Facebook. Uh, you might find it there, but I'm not going to be on there. So don't bother with it. Um, I don't think anybody's on Facebook anymore. Anybody else? Not a lot. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't. I have a TikTok, but I don't post anything on there. So don't worry about it. Um, uh, so, so yeah, just find me on Instagram is the best way to do it. Um, you can also email me at coach Jason McCullough, um, uh, at gmail.com if you like, um, you know, as I said, any athlete listening who thinks something here was interesting and, and, uh, wants to chat a little bit more about it, you know, not doing this really for a living anymore, but, um, I'm massively passionate about it and I'm just, <laughs> Uh, have a lot of knowledge and experience. So if you, if you just want to have a chat sometime, I am uh, definitely scheduled some one-on-ones awesome. or group stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right, man, it's been fantastic. We will absolutely have you back on to talk about internet arguments because I want to dive into that eventually. <laughs> for but, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks everybody right, for thanks, hopping buddy. on and uh, see you next episode.